What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Matt is going to be joining me in just a moment to break down championship weekend for the NFL. Uh, I can't believe that we're already championship weekend. There are only three more games remaining in this year's NFL season. And as excited as I am for these last three games, I'm also getting kind of depressed that football is almost over. We are coming off of a 4-0 divisional weekend. Uh, 4-0 for me, 3-1 for Matt because he decided to bet on the Bills, which is never a good idea. Bringing our totals for the postseason to 9-1 for me and 8-2 for Matt. The best postseason we've had on this podcast was a couple of years ago. Uh, we only had three losses. So we're looking pretty good with only three games left, but I cannot wait to break down these games and blow it. Uh, that'll be super fun. Before we get started, quick shout out to my dad as well. He texted me all his divisional picks before I actually made my picks on this podcast and said, 49ers, Lions, Ravens, Chiefs, there you go. No need to do the podcast. So he was 4-0 as well uh, and gave me the Chiefs pick, reminding me that we are Patriot fans and we never, ever bet on the Bills. So shout out to him, 4-0 weekend for him as well. Last thing before we get started, remember to reach out to us, fouledoutsports at gmail.com. We really appreciate you guys listening, and we would love to hear your feedback on the podcast, what's working for you, what's not. Or if you just want to chit-chat with me and Matt, we're open to that too. Uh, you will not get any spam mail from us, and you will not receive a manifesto from me unless the Patriots pick J.J. McCarthy third overall. And then, you know, at that point, you might not want me to have your email address. But until then, reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to hear back from you guys. Let's grab Matt and let's talk about championship weekend. Let's go. All right, we are back. Matt is here, fresh off of potted plants nfl <laughs> divisional weekend <laughs> ignore that comment from matt that has to do with the pre-show meeting and is none of your concern <laughs> listeners this is a football podcast matt we're at the afc and nfc championship i was just saying in the opening that we only have three football games left this season i am nine and one in our playoff picks you are eight and two well first of all the more undefeated i go since the cowboys lost the more pissed i get at the cowboys because like i've just yeah. hadn't missed that one i would be 10 and 0 right now yeah but also like i feel like i've had a pretty good read on things because all of the bets we recommended have hit except for uh houston covering last week yeah they got absolutely schmeckledorfed by the ravens uh so we were like three and one and bets last week. I think we were five and one the week before that. So like the bets mm -hmm. have done good. The picks have done really good. And I feel like I have a good read on what's going to happen next. But that's also kind of the beautiful thing about football is that anything could happen. It can be a little bit cheesy, but like the phrase any given Sunday is there for a fucking reason. Like it is. You got a totally different team from one week to the next. And it's about which team spends that seven day period getting ready and is more efficient with it. 
coincidentally, any given Sunday, also a fantastic movie. Yep. His name's Willie. Willie Beeman. Before we go on to breaking down the AFC and NFC championship game, I wanted to take a quick look back at divisional weekend because I had two big takeaways. One is that I really feel like this is the Ravens Super Bowl to lose all year. They've been the most consistent, the most dominant team. They've absolutely schmeckledorfed every good team they've played. They beat the Lions 38 to 6. They beat San Francisco 33 mm-hmm. 19. Miami 56 to 19. They just beat Houston 34 to 10 in the divisional round. The, and the list goes on. Like there are more. There's Seattle, and yeah. they lost one game to Cleveland, but the other one, they beat Cleveland pretty bad. After week 17, Baltimore had the third highest DVOA of all time, only behind the 2007 Patriots and the 1991 Washington football team name redacted. They just became the first team ever to have a DVOA of over 50% through the divisional round of the playoffs. Not even the 2007 Patriots had a DVOA that high uh, this late into the season. And the Ravens are at 55.2. So it's not like they're barely over. They are 5% over in terms of DVOA. So we're not talking about the best team in the league at this point. We're starting to get into, is this one of the best teams of all time territory if they can win the Super Bowl? And I say all this to say that if this year has taught us anything at all, is that the Ravens will absolutely not win this Super Bowl. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone is jumping on the Ravens bandwagon right now. Absolutely everyone. And it's well-deserved after all of the things I just listed after yep. what they did to the Texans on Saturday, like they look like from the eye test, the best team in the league, all of the stats back it up. But we all know that when everybody starts jumping on you this season, that's when you lose. I'm very yeah. nervous for them this weekend. The NFL is very, very clearly a business. Um, and keep in mind, they are legally entertainment not a sports organization legally which means they're literally allowed to fix games like they're considered the same as wwe i was gonna say do you know who started that whole we're not a sports organization we're an entertainment business fucking vince mcmahon baby yep what what do you think the NFL really, 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 really wants at the Super Bowl? Taylor Swift. Can, so I've heard this theory quite a bit now. Can I just poke a hole in it real quick for you and the listeners? The NFL doesn't need Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is the most watched television event of the year every single year. Millions and millions of people around the globe yeah. are going to watch the Super Bowl, even if it's like something stupid. That you not here. Here's the here's the, the thing that you're missing here, though. Roger Goodell would absolutely slaughter every puppy on this earth if it meant that the NFL could make one more penny. <laughs> That's that probably factually correct. <laughs> <What>? So, <laughs> well, okay. 
for the purposes of the podcast, <laughs> just because I don't want to get sued for libel and slander, that's probably not correct. But also, that's probably factually correct. Roger Goodell would probably do that shit. It's most likely hyperbole, but you get my point. It could be hyperbole, but it also could not be. Hmm. So that was takeaway number one is that the Ravens, this is the Ravens Super Bowl to lose. This is Lamar Jackson's Super Bowl. Absolutely his Super Bowl to lose. Takeaway number two. If you bet on the Buffalo Bills against a good playoff team, you might as well light your money on fire. I don't know how this game could have possibly been set up any better for the Bills to finally beat Patrick Mahomes. Bills fans for years now have been saying, oh, just wait till we get them to come to our place and then see what happens. Well, this is the worst Patrick Mahomes team we have ever seen with him as starting quarterback. Yeah. And they beat you. They came to your house and they beat you. Josh Allen was great on Sunday and they beat you. You outrushed them. You won the turnover battle and they beat you. I don't ever want to hear about the Buffalo Bills as a contender ever again. That was, This was your shot. Because yeah. now, after this loss, you go straight to cap hell. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Straight to cap hell. Before the season, we talked about, is the Buffalo Bills window shut? Yeah. And we said, you know what? It's getting close, but there's just like a crack open. Patrick Mahomes just walked into Buffalo and slammed that motherfucker shut. It's done because like this team is going to look completely different next year with all the Mm -hmm. cap concerns they have. Guys are going to be getting cut. They're going to be letting dudes go. They got to get under that cap. Yeah. This was your chance at home and you couldn't do it. I'll even go a step further. I won't consider their window potentially being open until Sean McDermott is not coaching this team. So I agree with you. And we talked about this over the weekend. That's like, everybody's going to blame Tyler Bass for Mm -hmm. missing that field goal. But it shouldn't have come down to that. That's so many missed opportunities. Mm -hmm. The thing that bothered me too, is we sat here last week and said, you know, if the Bills commit to running the ball for three hours, they'll win this game. Mm-hmm. And the reason I picked the Chiefs was like, I don't, I was like, I don't trust the Bills. I don't trust them to do that. Sure enough, they're running it down the Chiefs' throat. And then when it comes time for the big drive, you're down by three. Josh Allen's got the ball. They're like, you know what? We're going to throw this motherfucker deep. It's hero ball time. Yeah. Incompletions down the field not getting it done, completely abandoning what's working for the majority of the game, and they paid the price for it. I mean, it was, there was a lot of plays where you could argue like, oh, yeah, the Bills could have made these plays, the Chiefs could have made these plays, but like the fact of the matter is it never should have come down to one missed field goal in Buffalo. You let it, and when you let things like that happen, especially when you're a team like the Buffalo Bills, a bad thing is going to happen because bad things always happen to the Buffalo Bills. I know that there's this like weird group of people out there too that'll come back and say like, well, really the Chiefs should have won by more because the fumble out of the end zone 
that's the worst rule in football. I'm sorry, but again, turnovers are bad. Fumbling the ball is not okay. Fumbling out of the end zone has to have a consequence. That's the fucking consequence. And you learn real early on in like peewee football, don't reach out the ball unless you absolutely have to. Also, just like stupid coaching on the Chiefs part. You're like, what, past the five yard line going into the end zone? You have Isaiah Pacheco, who's just been running over people all night. And you're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to run a jet sweep with Marquez Valdez Scantling, a guy who hasn't been able to catch passes all season. That won't go wrong. Like, I I really do just feel like coaches outthink themselves sometimes. Yeah. And they're like, you have Patrick Mahomes. And if you're going to take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands in that situation, at least give it to Pacheco, who's been a safe option and has been really good in the red zone. But yeah. no, they're like, we're going to give it to this guy. Watch how cool my play is. And they deserve no. to lose. Yeah. They deserve to lose, but they didn't because it's the damn Bills. And the <laughs> Bills are in that category of teams where it's like Minnesota, Detroit until this year for some reason. Well, for, for a lot of reasons. Uh, the Chargers. You know, all these teams that we're like, we're, we're going to bet against them in the playoffs. And people don't count the Bills in there because they're like, they have Josh Allen. The Bills are absolutely contenders. Well, guess what? I'm here to tell you that if you bet on the Bills, you might as well just set your money on fire. Like the Joker in the Dark Knight. Just earn it all because you're not going to see it again anyway. Like that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me with this entire regime for them. Like, it's, it's not a Josh Allen thing. I'm not on Josh Allen. Like, until that regime is no longer there in Buffalo. Like, count me out. Since you brought Josh Allen up, there is something I want to say about Josh Allen. So before the game, Fox or NBC, whatever channel it was on, showed this whole like vignette that they put together of Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning and compared it to the rivalry between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. What has Josh Allen ever done to be mentioned in the same breath as Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Patrick Mahomes? He's 0-4 against Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow in the playoffs. He's never made a Super Bowl. What, What has he done? He like has more turnovers than any other quarterback in the league over the course of the last few seasons. He can't beat Patrick Mahomes. Like, I think there's a really important distinction between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And that is that Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in league history. Yeah. Already. He's 13 and three in the playoffs, which is tied for seventh most wins of a quarterback ever. If he wins one more game, he will be tied for third most ever at 14 with guys like Peyton Manning and Steve Young at 14 wins. He's been a starter for six seasons. Josh Allen is a flash in the pan who we will not remember 
after he retires. He is not Peyton Manning. He is not Drew Brees. He is Phillip Rivers. He's great in the regular season. He might win a couple playoff games. He's not going to win shit. Nothing important. I mean, we'll we'll see what he ends up doing. But, like, he's got to earn it. Like, that, I think that's my biggest gripe with all of this is, like, this is clearly media sports media trying to stir something up because they think it's a story like you you're you're not even making the guy actually earn that kind of cachet well in what world is Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes a rivalry you you have to win yeah for it to well, be a rivalry you know what? Like immediately after that, like crazy playoff game that went to overtime. Okay, I hear it, but it has gone downhill so hard for him in that sense. Since then, yeah, like you, you gotta go out and actually win a playoff game against him. This was the chance because. Like they're going to be paying Josh Allen a shitload of money for the mm-hmm. foreseeable future. They go to cap hell next season. They're negative $45 million over the cap. Guys like Tredavious White and Rasul Butler and Gabe Davis and maybe even yeah. Stefan Diggs, they're all gone next season. You're about yeah. to be looking at like wide receiver one is Khalil Shakir. It's like Shakir, who I like. Uh, Dalton Kincaid and James Cook. That's your weaponry next season around Josh Allen, which like, you know, it's not bad. Those are good players, but like just this, this Bill's super I mean, team contender thing is going to be over. I don't know that it'll be that drastic. I mean, you'll probably see some guys restructure to kick the can down the road so that it becomes cap hell another year. But yeah, it's it's not gonna be the same just stacked up team. I'm being a little bit over dramatic purposely because I'm a Patriots yeah. fan and I, I wanna <laughs> explain to you why the Patriots are gonna win the AFC East next season after only <laughs> winning three games this year. Uh but like the the cap hell thing, you know, we saw it with the we've seen it with the Saints the last couple of years where it's like they're negative sixty five million dollars over the cap. How are they ever gonna get down there? But somehow they always do. Yep. But like it affects you. It doesn't always affect you in the big ways, like where you got to get rid of a Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. But it does affect you in the ways where like you have a lot less depth. Yep. You know, and you you can't add guys like you would like to. You know, you got to rely more on like rookies and you really got to make sure you're hitting your picks uh, and you can't afford like luxuries like. I was looking at the cap and like guys who actually have a cap savings if they cut them. And it's like Tredavious White, it's Rasul Douglas who they just got. Like, but if you cut both those guys, what you're super thin at corner now, like it's it causes a lot of problems. But yeah, you're probably looking at EOM as your CB1, which I liked him a little bit coming out, but like I don't know that I'm ready for him to make that kind of jump. Uh, so before we move on to breaking down championship weekend, I just wanted to wrap this up by saying uh, I just mentioned that Patrick Mahomes is now 13 and three. 
in the playoffs, tied for seventh most wins all time. Uh, if he wins this week, or I'm sure he'll get a, you know, we're not going to never see Patrick Mahomes get a playoff win again. Uh, but he can win this week and tie for third most all time with Peyton Manning and Steve Young at 14. Joe Montana would be next at 16. Yeah. That is second all time. And then Tom Brady with 35. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing ever that yeah. number two is 16. And the number one is Tom Brady with more than double the amount of wins that Joe Montana had. Yeah. That's my goat. I mean, if anyone is saying anyone else is the goat, then you don't get to talk about football anymore. Period. I will give Patrick Mahomes all of his flowers, and I will tell you he is yeah. the best, he's the best quarterback in the league. He's already one of the greats. Like if he retired after this season, I would be like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and maybe the most talented one I ever watched. Yeah, but he's not the goat. You got to earn that. And when Patrick Mahomes earns it, in my opinion, I will be the first one to come on this podcast and be like, he's officially taken over as the goat for me. That is the day that the podcast dies. Well, you will he, not come on this podcast and say that shit. It's never going to happen because one, he has to win seven Super Bowls at least. Yeah. Two, he never beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. <laughs> He's on two AFC championship Super Bowl. He never beat Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes can win 10 Super Bowls. He never beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. It's like the smartest thing for Tom to just retire when he did. Cause he's like, you know what? I got seven Super Bowls. I have an undefeated playoff record against Patrick Mahomes. So no matter what Patrick Mahomes does the rest of his career, we can all sit here and just say, well, he never beat Tom Brady when it matters. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he kind of dragged it out for a little bit there too. Like the Tampa Bay Super Bowl made me nervous because I was like, God damn it, Tom, if he beats you and yeah. you're one and one against him, then I lose my lose some credentials. But no, I, I really do think that Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback I've ever watched in my life. I don't know that it's close. Still never beat Tom Brady in the playoffs, though. Weird. All right. 3 p.m. Sunday. The AFC Championship, Kansas City Chiefs at Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens currently favored by three and a half. If we didn't just build up this game enough by looking at divisional weekend, this is the matchup between the best quarterback of his generation versus a team that if they win the Super Bowl, we might be talking about them in the greatest teams of all time conversation. Mm hmm. Not to mention, I would imagine Lamar is probably getting the MVP as well. Yes. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw up because I keep saying nice things about Patrick Mahomes, and I have another one coming later. But I've reached the point where I think we need to rename the AFC Championship game to the Patrick Mahomes Invitational. Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback for the Chiefs for six years. He has now made six AFC championships and he has played five different quarterbacks. Uh, he played Tom Brady, who he lost to. Ryan Tannehill, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow twice. Uh, one and one against Joe Burrow. When you have a quarterback who's this good, no one is ever going to beat him until the AFC playoff or until the AFC championship. 
because you have to have a team that is as good as the Ravens or like a team that is as complete as the Ravens to beat him. Cause this is the worst Patrick Mahomes team we've ever seen. The bills were the second best team in the AFC. Couldn't get it done. We've seen like year after year, these teams kind of can't get it done against him except for the Patriots a while ago. And then the Bengals once like, it's one of those things where he'll at least always be like the second or third seed in the AFC. Yeah. You know, unless like one of the teams in their division has like a crazy season and it's going to take like a team being like an actually legitimately really good team to beat a not so good team that is quarterbacked by Patrick Mahomes. If the chargers can ever stop being the chargers, I would say that that is the greatest threat to pushing him into the wild card. But that is the biggest if that I could possibly say. I feel like there is no amount of like changing the GM or the coach that could fix the chargers. It has to be a full on exorcism. Like that's it. No, but like you you get what I'm saying though. It's like, it was this way with Tom Brady. It's like, even when the Patriots weren't like Patriot good, they were good. Yeah. And it took like really elite, like Denver teams led by Peyton Manning or like really elite Colt Mm -hmm. teams to take them out. And it's like, if nobody was up to the challenge, the Patriots were going to go to the Super Bowl just by the virtue of having Tom Brady as their quarterback and being the Patriots. And I feel like it's that way for Patrick Mahomes with the AFC championship at this point. Like, I'm not ready to say that they're going to keep going to the Super Bowl over and over again. But what I will say is like, how good of a team are they going to run into in the first two rounds of the playoffs if they're always the two or the three seed? Another thing to keep in mind here is that like, a lot of these quarterbacks in the AFC, like, how much is he living rent-free in their heads? Like, really, the only guy that's gotten it done and got past him is Joe Burrow. Out of the guys that are, you know, still there. It's Burrow and Brady. And, like, that's that's it. Like, we can look at a Josh Allen and it's like, the only way for him to get that out of his head is to literally get past him. It's going to be the same for Herbert and, you know, everyone else. Because he amassed this presence and legend so quickly in his career that playing against him in the playoffs, like, raises the stakes so much higher than just playing a playoff game. We mentioned Vince McMahon earlier. This is like in WWE when a wrestler becomes bigger than the belt. Like Brock Lesnar was this way in WWE. It's like, even if he wasn't the WWE champion, he was so imposing and such like a big draw that matches against him were like sometimes bigger than whatever was going on for the championship. It's like, Oh yeah, like, you know, CM Punk is going to fight Roman Reigns for the championship. John Cena's taking on Brock Lesnar. So that's the main event. And it's like you push, you almost push the championship down the card because it's such a big deal. That's like the most WWE analysis you're going to get on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
that's why whenever I'm ranking quarterbacks now, I always have Patrick Mahomes number one, Joe Burrow number two, because Joe Burrow is the only guy that's active who's beaten Patrick Mahomes. You know, and until we see other guys do it, there's always going to be that feeling of like, well, can anybody else do it? Do we just have to rely on Joe Burrow or like Tom Brady to come out of retirement and take this guy down? And we're going to really answer that question this weekend. Because Kansas City will never play a game where they don't have the quarterback advantage for the next 10 years. How old is he? He's like 28. So like, you know, let's say eight years. Maybe even longer. Eight to ten years, possibly longer, because who the fuck knows with I this know. guy? God, I know. It's like, you know, that's what they said about Tom Brady, is they're like, ah, three more years. And it's like ten years later, more Super Bowls. <laughs> like, no, never. I think Tom could still play if he wanted to. I really do. Yeah, but- I mean, I don't think he'd necessarily be his best, but like he he would definitely be a top 32 quarterback. He'd be a hell of a lot better than a lot of the guys I watched this season. I can tell you that. It's not like it's a high bar. So the Chiefs will never play a game where they don't have the quarterback advantage. But the interesting thing about this game is that while the Chiefs have the quarterback advantage, Baltimore has literally every other advantage. I can't think of anything on the field that the Chiefs do better than the Ravens, except they have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And even though that's an advantage, this is going to be a game where it's a smaller advantage than most games because Lamar Jackson has played out of his goddamn mind this season. (laughs) So, like, yeah, I'll I'll give it to Mahomes, but goddamn, has Lamar Jackson been good? Offensive line, running game, passing game, defensive line, linebacker, like, Literally everything I think Baltimore is better at special teams. But is the advantage at quarterback enough to make that not matter on the road in like a really good home field advantage Baltimore crowd? They got their offense going a little bit last week against Buffalo, but by and large, like the Chiefs have been a team that have kind of relied on getting field goals. You're going to Baltimore, the hardest stadium in the NFL to kick in because of the way the the wind swirls there. I thought you were going to say the hardest stadium in the NFL to play in, and I was going to be like, no, no, no. That stadium is in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, That is the hardest place to play. Holy shit. We'll talk about yeah. them in a minute, but yeah, no, I, I agree. The kicking yeah. game is pretty crazy. Yeah, so like... All right. Yeah, you can't necessarily rely upon that. And oh yeah, the other team's kicker is Justin Tucker, and he does that eight to nine times a year. So like he's used to it. Well, this is the thing. It's like, you know, usually we would look at the Chiefs and be like, oh yeah, they got an advantage at quarterback. You know, they got an advantage in the kicking game. You don't have that now either. Tucker nope. is a better kicker than Butker, even though Butker is a good kicker. It has kicked very well, but like yeah. It's like I'm saying, every single advantage is to Baltimore, except for one, which is the biggest one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's super important. But I mean, I think we also have to look at too. 
Baltimore, like defensively this year, they've done a lot of different things really well. And they've done things differently in different games. I think what that shows me too is that while Patrick Mahomes certainly creates unique problems that you just don't worry about as much with other quarterbacks. This is the defense among defenses that you're going to bet to be able to handle that better than others. Kind of what it reminds me of is the Buccaneer Super Bowl that the Chiefs played in. Yeah. It just it didn't matter what Patrick Mahomes did because nobody could get open. Yeah. And now you don't have a game breaker like Tyreek. And while Travis Kelsey's been good, he's lost a step. And Mm -hmm. I watched that Ravens in Houston game last week, and it's just like, wow. Not only are they getting a shitload of pressure on CJ Stroud, but nobody is open. Yeah. For a lot of plays. Like there was a couple plays where like Dalton Schultz got like open behind the defense and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know that Casey's offensive line is a lot better than Houston's, but I I haven't seen a defense play suffocating football like that in a while. Yeah. Like they, they absolutely schmeckledorfed Houston the other day. There's no other word for it. Houston had 213 yards of offense and the offense didn't score. They got a field goal and they got a punt return touchdown to get to 10. Of all the edges, the one that stands out the most to me is that the Chiefs, like I said last week, were the number two or number three defense in the entire league this season. But they were 16th against the run. They allowed 182 rushing yards to the Bills. I firmly believe that if the Bills would have run the ball for three hours, they would have won that football game. Matt, do you know who's not going to have a problem running the ball for three hours on Sunday? Uh, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. You would be correct. I don't know what Kansas City really does on either side of the ball. You know, I I trust them to score some points because they have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be enough because I also think that Baltimore is just going to pound this ball down their throats for three hours. Because that's ultimately what they want to do. You have the best rushing quarterback in the league. You have like all these running backs and all these guys you want to get the ball to. Like, I just don't know how Kansas City gets it done on either side of the ball this week. Mike McDonald has been so in his bag this year. Like, he's going to get a lot of head coaching interviews. And I mean, especially if Harbaugh's up going to Michigan he's probably gonna get that interview but <laughs> yeah I know um, I was I was watching the Ravens on Sunday and I was like do we already hire our coach is it too late to interview McDonald to be the Patriots yeah. next coach because I just I was blown away by how good that defense played and like I know the defense has been good all season but this just seemed like next level to me against the Texans and I think a lot of people want to use that to discredit the Texans and just be like, oh, well, CJ Stroud's young and he was on the road. Like, no, man, that Texas Texans team was hot. They were playing really good football. And yeah. they went into Baltimore and just got absolutely shut the fuck down for th- like they could get nothing 
that entire game. It was like 10, 10 at half. And it was one of those games where you're like, how is this not 31 to nothing right now? Yeah. No, uh, which I mean, I guess a little bit of that is a credit to D'Amico on home down the fort a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, but that defense is fucking nasty. Despite it not being a defense that is viewed as like high profile as uh some former Ravens defenses, like it it is kind of one of those units that like, yeah, no, they can go ahead and win a game or a Super Bowl all on their own. They're very good on both sides of the ball. The way they got to their like 55% DVOA is they're like 20% offense minus 20% defense, almost 10% uh, 10 on special teams. So like it is truly a team that's dominant in all three phases of the game. Uh, So my pick for this game, I am picking the Ravens to beat Patrick Mahomes. uh, And I am going to pick them to cover the three and a half. When the line opened the other day, they were minus 3.5 and the minus 3.5 was plus 100. And I smashed it like instantly. I was like, this is not going to last. Uh, right now, the minus 3.5 is minus 115 on FanDuel. And interestingly, it's showing that the percent of money on the spread and percent of bets on the spread is 50-50 right now. Interesting. Yeah, I, I was like, man, the only thing that would stop me from picking the Ravens and betting a ton on them is if like 83% of the bets are on the Ravens. And that's kind of what I expected after I saw the line. But like the, I really think the Patrick Mahomes effect is in full effect. And the Taylor Swift effect is in full effect, uh, which makes it a good opportunity for us to make money by betting on the better team. Yeah. At home. Uh, So I'm going Ravens. You're going Ravens. Absolutely. Yeah. I honestly, I kind of thought these lines this week were backwards because the next game we're going to talk about is 630 on Sunday, the NFC championship lions at 49ers. It is currently 49ers by seven. And I looked at the lines and I was like, wait, how are the Ravens only favored by three and a half and the 49ers are favored by seven. I expected it to be like Ravens by seven and 49ers by like four and a half, maybe at home. Like if you would have predicted at the beginning of the season that the Lions were going to be in the NFC Championship this year and would have had a legit shot of making it to a Super Bowl, I would have called you a homer and I would have laughed at you. And that's precisely why I didn't say it. And yeah, but (laughs) nobody is laughing now. Yeah, because the Lions are in the NFC Championship and have a legit shot of making the Super Bowl. Uh, How does it feel? After everything you've been through with this team. It it still doesn't feel real. It really doesn't. What is this shit? I know. I can imagine because I, I told you this recently, but after the Kings clinched a playoff spot for the first time in like however many seasons last year, every morning when I woke up, I would check the NBA standings to make sure they still had the little clinch star next to their names. Cause I was like, they're going to take this. Sure. There weren't any stat corrections. I was like, they're going to take this away from us somehow. This can't be real. Uh, and we got knocked out the first round of the playoffs by the warriors. I, I can't imagine 
like making it to the Western Conference Finals. Like this is above and beyond. I think anything that we've seen in sports yeah. in like quite some time, this kind of turnaround so quickly. Yeah. Like as much as it doesn't feel real and like it's it's all surreal and all that, like what I saw in the back half of last year, that was enough for me to believe this was possible. And I I told you, like, I had to pump the brakes a little bit preseason to cap my win range at 12. Realistically, they should have won more than 12. Yes, there are more talented teams than this. There are better rosters, you know, in terms of the way they're constructed and all that stuff, whatever. But, like, just in terms of Teams that go out every week, nine times out of ten, with a great game plan and the players execute it. No, no other team other than the Ravens seems to do that. Like not not with the consistency that this team is doing right now. Seeing week after week to like the way that they respond in really high pressure situations. Nothing, nothing has been off the table. Speaking of high pressure situations, I just want to tell you that I almost shit my pants during the Lions and Buccaneers game last week because the line was Lions six and a half and I had the Lions to cover. The Bucks are down 14. They score and I'm like, okay, they're going to kick this PAT, you know, that's seven still covering <laughs> and the lions will get the ball and they're going to run the ball out. They go for two. I'm like, who the fuck goes for two on the first <laughs> touchdown? And I'm like furiously sweating in my in-laws living room now. Cause we went up there to watch the game. I had just told my father-in-law, I was like, Oh yeah, even if they score here, they're probably not coming back. Cause it's like really hard. And you know, 14 points on the road, especially in Detroit, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Adam, why are you so nervous all of a sudden? I thought you said they weren't going to come back. And I was just like, it's not about that anymore. It's about me losing money. <laughs> but the Lions came through. I was very uh... excited for that. So, um, but yeah, anyway, I'm I'm really happy for you guys. Uh, I, I think you guys know if you listen to this podcast, I live in Metro Detroit. Matt's been one of my best friends for years. All of my other close friends are all Lions fans. My great fear with living in Metro Detroit now is that my son who is almost two years old is going to grow up mm-hmm. not knowing the world where the Patriots were good and the lions sucked. And he's going to be like, dad, why are we Patriot fans? The Patriots suck. Dad, the- why are you Patriot fan? Yeah. He's going to be like a lions fan. He's going to be like, Oh, your team sucks. And he's going to be like, why? my team's right down the road and they're awesome. Why would you, why would you root for that shitty team from Boston? <laughs> I'm like, you God damn it. You didn't know what it was like when I was in my 20s <laughs> a long time ago. Oh, yeah. When he's when he's old enough to, you know, be able to recall memories, I'm going to start bringing him like Amon jerseys. And if the Patriots mess up this draft coming up, I'm getting him into like theater camp. <laughs> he's never going to like sports. I'm like, I'm not putting up with lions and tiger shit in my house. Not happening. Not, you know, not like I have a beef with the city and I'm rooting for you guys here. 
But goddamn, if my son grows up thinking that the Lions are a better franchise than the Patriots, I'm not going to know what to do with myself. But that's where we're at. That's where we're at. It's a factual statement right now to say the Lions are a better franchise than the Patriots right now. Yeah, that they are. Back to the game, because I'm going to start crying if we talk about this too much longer. I did the whole, there are two San Francisco teams before the game last week. There's the team where they get ahead and they get to throw off play action and run the ball and they look like world beaters and they're awesome. And then there's the team we saw last week where they get behind, they got to come back, they got to pass a lot and they got to throw a lot of uh, like deeper drop passes, not three steps, not play action. And when we saw that team last week, Brock Purdy looked really shaky for a lot of that game. And part of me is like, is this just the Brock Purdy experience in the playoffs where it's going to be sloppy for large portions? You're go- It's going to be like kind of a roller coaster ride, but then he's that guy who makes the plays at the end of the game that win the game. Because that's what he did on Sunday. He was like 22 of 39, should have had a couple interceptions, balls were flying all over the place. But then when it came nut crunching time, he made the plays, he took them down the field, and they won the football game. And I'm, I'm going to say the same thing about this game that I said about the Green Bay game last week. If the Lions can stop the run, make Brock Purdy into a pocket passer, not let the San Francisco offense do the things they want to do, the Lions can absolutely win this football game and go to the Super Bowl. No question in my mind. And it's kind of interesting how they match up with San Francisco because the Lions running defense is going to be probably the best or second best run defense San Francisco's played against this entire season. Yep. Because they're the second best run defense in the entire league. Just trying to remember if San Francisco played Chicago or not and when they played them. Uh, and the thing that's really hurt the Lions in the playoffs so far is these number one outside receivers like Puka Nakua goes for 181. Evans yeah. had 145 and a touchdown last week. But San Francisco doesn't really have the guy that's going to be able to hurt them in the ways that those two guys did. Yeah. Like where they just line up on the outside and can just ball. Like, yeah, not, it's I mean, Brandon Ayuk, good, not great. Debo. Don't even know if he's going to play. And when he does play, he's great at what he does, but what he does is very unique, and I wouldn't necessarily call it specifically an alpha wide receiver. This is the thing. Like, I really feel like this game is a coin flip. Because, like, on one side, it's like, is San Francisco going to be able to establish their running game with Christian McCaffrey against this Lions run D? Are they going to be able to hurt him? through the past game is Debo Samuel going to play. Cause like in a game that you feel like it's going to be tight like this, a guy like that playing makes a massive difference. Yeah, it does. And how healthy he is. And like on the other side though, it's like San Francisco's defense is kind of like uniquely equipped to be a foil for the lions offense. And like what the lions want to do. Cause the San Francisco also has a very good run defense. They were top four. And they're like linebackers and some of the safeties are like, you know, they have Fred Warner, who's specially athletic and fluid for a linebacker, who's really going to be able to help mm-hmm. on guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, 
and Sam Laporta and like things like that. And it's like, it's just, it's a really interesting matchup to me. Cause like I can see both quarterbacks yeah. having a really good game. I can see so, both quarterbacks kind of shitting the bed. So yeah, the, the thing there for me, at least with San Francisco's defense too, though, is that they're, They've been very good against the run this year, but they do much better against teams that are more of a finesse build. Obviously, like we don't we don't know the injury situation yet and who's going to be out there on Sunday, but if Frank Ragnow and Jonah Jackson both play, like I I don't know that I'm as worried about their ability to shut down the run as some people might be. Um, I I don't think we're going to run for like 200 yards on them, but I think it'll be enough to open things up. And those defensive backs over there are quite vulnerable. They're they're not going to be able to shut down the combination of Amonra, J-Mo, Josh Reynolds, Sam Laporta. I have not been super worried about this matchup for a while. But uh, the big thing is, can we get a lead? Can we get a lead in the first half? If we get a lead in the first half, like, this is not a 49ers team that has been able to show that they can handle it. I kind of see the script for how both of these teams win this game. Mm-hmm. And this is why I'm kind of like, yeah, to me, it's kind of like a coin flip right now. If it was in Detroit, I think I'd be leaning heavily towards Detroit. You know, I'm looking at Jared Goff's home and road splits. It's really it's not that big of a difference. I mean, he's obviously worse on the road, but he doesn't know, do man. great in the weather. Yeah, but neither does Purdy. But neither does Purdy. Yeah, so. man, like, like <laughs> if it rains next week, I'm just like not picking this game at all because I'm like, man, this, <laughs> both these guys with their tiny little hands in the rain. I can't do it. <laughs> Bird law. But there's part of me that's just like, are the Lions the team of destiny at this point? Like, does it just not matter? And it's just that like this team is going to the Super Bowl with everything that they've like gone through in the past. And like, cause it, you see it sometimes like when things turn like this, mm-hmm. that these guys just get hot and they start believing and they just get going. And then like, it, it's one of those games where it's like, Oh man, like it's going to be 50, 50. It's going to be really close. And then like, do the lions just come out and all of a sudden it's like 31 to 14 lions. And we're just like, God damn should have seen that one coming with how good they've been playing lately. I mean, like this is, this is a San Francisco team that like they've been in and around the championship for a while, but they haven't gotten it done. And when they haven't gotten it done, they've responded by chirping a lot as opposed to, you know, the team that's like got all the momentum. You San Francisco escaped by a hair with your life last week. And like, obviously a win's a win, especially in the playoffs, but 
you're not coming in coming out of that feeling good about it. So like it I think that's a much harder job to kind of like reset and get ready for this, especially this kind of opponent. Who I think we all can agree is definitively a better opponent than the one that you just barely escaped. My only thing about that though is that we talked last week about how they just took two weeks off and they're coming in and like playing this playoff game against a really hot Packers team. And like, mm -hmm. are they going to come out rusty? And then the Packers get the, and it kind of like played out exactly how we said it would. It's like, yeah. they're going to be a little bit rusty. The Packers are going to get a lead and then the 49ers got to fight back. And that's not something they've been good at. Yeah. The 49ers have been the best team in the NFC for pretty much the whole season. My DVOA will tell you that the majority mm -hmm. of their schedule will tell you that. Is it one of those situations where it's just like, wow, man, glad we just barely missed that. Now we're like sharpened and we're ready to play. Like we're not rusty. We didn't just have two weeks off. We, you know, a win's a win's a win. You move on to the next one and it's a different game next week. But then also it's just like, man, I think are they not going to have Debo Samuel for this game? And then we yep. have to hear the entire offseason of Robbie Gold bitching about how they would have won the game if they had Debo Samuel. It's just a repeat of last year where it's just like, ah, if only we had Debo Samuel, we would have won that game that we lost by 40. There's also just like a little bit too much tape of them this year too. Like just showing up to games where they get hit in the mouth and then they're done. Kudos to them last week. Like credit where credit is due. You responded to it and got the job done. But like now you have to do that again the following week. So who are you going to pick for this game? Oh, I'm picking the Lions. I figured. So uh, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm nine and one in our picks. You're eight and two. So it'd be super easy for me to just pick all the same teams as you. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm going to be a sporting person and I'm going to pick San Francisco to beat the lions. I think it's been a really good story and I'm rooting for you guys, but I think San Francisco is really good and that a lot of people have forgotten that. And that what the season has taught us is that when everybody's on your bandwagon is when you lose, but then also sometimes when nobody believes in you is also when you win. So my, my full faith is not behind this pick. I, really did not know who I was going to pick all the way up into recording. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go opposite of Matt just because I'm up by one game. <laughs> and at least that'll make it fun. The only caveat I'm going to put on this is that we don't know if Debo is going to play or not. Yeah. I'm going to assume he's going to play because he's a tough son of a bitch and it's the NFC championship. Um, So I'll take San Francisco, but I already bet on the lions to yeah. cover plus seven. An aspect here that I'm factoring too is even if Debo does play, he's not going to be 100%. And how, how many hits can he take before, you know, whatever they've injected him with <laughs> to deal with the pain starts to wear off a little bit? Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, 
Yeah, I might change my pick later this week, but the the other thing is that currently 72% of the bets on the spread are on the Lions to cover the seven. And that's never a spot I like to be in with the public. It just, it rubs me the wrong way. So uh, you have Ravens and Lions, Super Bowl. I have Ravens and 49ers. I read earlier this week, the score, the sports app that I like to use to look at scores had an article that said like, what is the best Super Bowl matchup? Like what's the best Super Bowl narrative going into the game? And they had like Lions Ravens last and then like Lions Chiefs third. And I was like, no, there is no narrative of the Super Bowl that is not better for having the Lions in it and having the story keep going. So I know I'm picking against you, uh, and I'm just going to keep pissing Lions fans off, apparently, because they fucking came for me last week in numbers. <laughs> so I just want to say, for the Lions fans listening to this, I don't hate the Lions. And, like, you look at my fan duel, like, year recap for 2023, it tells you what team you bet on the most. The team I bet on the most was the goddamn Detroit Lions. And I've already bet on them twice this year in the two games they've played. They've made me a bunch of money. I live in Metro Detroit. I don't hate the Lions. Contrary to what all of our followers on TikTok would have you believe. Because they were pissed off last week. Which may also be why I'm picking San Francisco. Because I mean, I'm a small man. (laughs) I'm a petty man. I assume many of those were the uh, the individuals who have a weird, weird fixation on, hey, I really have to boo my ex in order to support my current team. For those who don't know what happened last week, I posted a TikTok video or FL.Sports podcast on TikTok uh, about how it's bad to boo children. like for lions fans commented on it uh saying that that never happened and i'm a liar and i'm an idiot and a piece of shit and a lot of other names that people will only call you from behind a screen and uh that our podcast sucks and that it's not going anywhere because our takes are bad and i'm soft and i've obviously never played football which is also completely false uh (laughs) And they were all Lions fans and people were calling me a Lions hater. Um, I don't hate the Lions, obviously. I picked them to go 12 and 5, win their division. I picked them twice in the playoffs so far. And I still stand by the point that booing small children at a football game is wrong. So I, I think like the Lions fans as a whole, you guys just have to accept that you're a big market fan base and that you have a lot of shitty fans, just like any other big market fan base. Because we're not like Chicago, New York, like one of the really, really super like mega fan bases that there's this illusion that we're a small market. No, we're fucking not. We're like a top 13, 14 market in the US. This is the thing, though, about having a sports podcast and posting posting things on social media. It's like, yeah, yeah, you say something bad about like, the Yankees or something and people get pissed at you. Like people I got, I upset some people with what I said about Florida state missing the college football playoff this year. Uh, 
but a Houston Texans fan told me I should go kill myself earlier this year too. So like, it's just all fan bases. It's unavoidable. Yeah. They're just crappy fans everywhere. Uh, yeah. but the crappy lions ones, let me hear it on TikTok, and I'm petty. So, you know, if we lose, I'm going to go back and comment, <laughs> reply to all those comments. If the lions lose this week for sure, but I'll be nice to Matt. Uh, all right. Lightning round scolds and bolds from the divisional weekend. It is your week to go first with your bold. Kind of going back to credit where credit is due. Uh, we've talked a lot this year about how like Lamar and the Ravens, but largely Lamar needed to come out and win a playoff game or two. And like they fucking did it. And I'm granted like, the scoreboard wasn't necessarily as severe as it really looked on the field, but like they dominated that game and Lamar played like the MVP that he is. Good call. My bold of the week is the Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey connection. I know it's another nice thing about Mahomes. I'm going to throw up. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey broke the record for most TDs uh, for a duo from a quarterback throwing to a pass catcher in NFL history. The previous record was Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski at 15. Uh, Patrick Mahomes threw two to Travis Kelsey this weekend, giving them 16 total. Uh, Tom Brady also giving credit where credit is due, tweeted out that they are beast and any time that you break one of their records, you must be doing something right. I agree with that. Very impressive. Uh, who is your scold for the week? Uh, me. <laughs> for This is a first. <laughs> because, because I took the coin toss of going with Buffalo. That, I mean... I don't know how much more I need to say on that, but my lesson has been learned. I will not be fooled again. You know what it reminded me of? The Minnesota pick from last year. Yep. Because we know what's going to happen with Buffalo. Yeah. And I I talked myself out of it last minute because I was going to pick Buffalo all year. I was like, I'm going to pick Buffalo to beat the Chiefs in the wild card rounds. And then all of a sudden, the fact that it was in the divisional round in Buffalo made me change my mind. <laughs> I was like, yeah. no, I was like, if any team's going to get hurt like this, it's the Bills. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a fair one. Uh, my scold, I'm going to try to make this as quick as possible, but it's something I'm very passionate about. <laughs> is NFL owners who are creating what I like to call compound mistakes. If you are not familiar with Adam's theory of compound mistakes, it's when you make a mistake, and instead of it being able to recognize it or admit it, you make another mistake to try to fix or cover your first mistake, often making it way worse than it was the first time. This is one of the core tenets of like how I live my life is when I mess up, because I do mess up and I do it a lot, is I fix it. And I really think that honestly, like one of the most important skills you can have in any walk of life is to be able to recognize when you've made a mistake and not make it worse. Sometimes you can't fix it, but if you can't fix it, you cannot make it worse. Well, the Cowboys and the Eagles decided to make their mistakes worse this week. 
they made the mistake of hiring Nick Sirianni and Mike McCarthy. Yep. They are now making the mistake of retaining those coaches in one of the craziest and most fertile coaching cycles we've ever seen. There are so many good candidates to interview. There are big names. There are hot coordinators. Like anything that you would want out of your coaching hire, it is available Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And you're not even going to look because you want to retain Mike McCarthy and Nick Sirianni. Neither of you are even remotely interested in saying like, hey, Pete Carroll, are you sure you're done coaching? This is what I'm saying. It's like, you can go any route. You can interview Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick, like a long-term established coach. You could like interview a hot coordinator like Ben Johnson or, you know, McDonald, who we were talking about earlier, Mike McDonald. Yeah. You you could go any route. And instead you, you don't even want to take an interview because you want to stick to these guys who have constantly failed you. I think we need to add another team in there. Titans. Yeah. That was an interesting hire. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the Tennessee Titans said we're done with Mike Rabel universally regarded as one of the best head coaches in the entire NFL. And their hire for his replacement was Brian Callahan. He's been a good football coach in his career and his current roles, but I don't think anyone was really looking at him as a high profile head coach candidate. Yeah. So this is exactly my thing is that not only did you make the mistake of hiring these guys in the first place, you either refuse to admit it or you can't identify that it was a mistake for some reason. And now you're going to pass up on potentially amazing coaches because you want to stick to this guy. And it's like in a couple of years from now, when Ben Johnson's one of the best coaches in the league, it's like, oh yeah, wow. Maybe we should have fired Mike McCarthy and interviewed him at least. So it just, it's honestly, it's one of the core tenets of how I live my life is not making compound mistakes and watching other people yeah. do it hurts my soul. Like I'm like, ah, oh God, i like, I hate the Cowboys and the Eagles, but it just hurts to watch. It's like, I kind of feel bad for their fans. Like if they yeah. weren't, if they weren't Cowboys and Eagles fans, I would actually feel bad for them. Own your mistakes. And then figure out how to get better from there. Like just, just own it. Just fucking own it. Cause it's going to follow you. Yeah, it's just like Matt giving himself the scold of the week. Own your mistakes. Move on. Yeah. But that is it for us. As always, Foul Dog can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Foul Dog Sports. You can find Matt on Twitter at Matador underscore defense. Wait, don't hit us up on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Hold it's on. successful. You don't you don't need that. Email us at fouled out sports. Email us at fouled out sports at gmail.com. Really appreciate you guys listening. We'd love to hear from you and go and look at all of the Lions fans taunting me in the comments on TikTok at Fouled Out Sports Podcast. It's a long name, but you can't miss it. The podcast is going somewhere, damn it. I don't care what these mean people from Detroit say to me about how stupid I am and how dumb my podcast is. But I I will be rooting for the Lions this weekend for you, Matt. I'll get over the pettiness to root for them. Um, So I hope you guys all enjoy the games this weekend. Matt and I will be back next Wednesday with a championship weekend recap kind of podcast. 
and like an initial look at the Super Bowl. And then the following Wednesday, we'll do our full Super Bowl preview and like make Super Bowl picks and stuff. And depending on whether or not the Lions make the Super Bowl, I might have something very special planned for the podcast before the Super Bowl. So let's all hope the Lions make it so that I can show you guys my awesome uh, idea that I've come up with and started putting into action. All right. Nobody ruined this. <laughs> nobody ruined this, especially the Detroit Lions this weekend. God damn it. <laughs> so anyway, good luck this weekend, my friend and everybody else. Enjoy the football games. Appreciate it. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye Robin. Bye.